everyone. I am really excited uh, with my guest today. It's definitely, um, I'd say I'm honestly the most nervous I've been and uh, most excited at the same time. Uh, I'm here today with the one and only Dr. Doris Pastor. She is my mother. Um, she is the best. She is a young adult medicine doctor. She's a specialist in eating disorders and is here in New York City. How's it going today, Dr. Pastor? Today is going well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for making the time. I know you're busy. Um, so I guess, you know, kind of just jump right in. Um, did, growing up, did you always think you would run your own business? Was that something kind of that you thought you would get into or? Um, actually, not really. Um, having um, seen my dad run a number of businesses, I also saw the good part of the flexibility, but also the part where you feel a certain amount of stress. And I thought um, I would work for a hospital. Um, and then one day I realized it's great running your own place. Yeah, no, I guess uh, kind of, you mentioned it a little bit before talking about your father, but kind of what were some of the things that like growing up that you noticed in terms of like the good with the flexibility, what were some of like the bad and kind of what was that like in that growing up in that environment? Oh, sure. Uh, the hard part was working weekends um, and not having a lot of uh, family time uh, um, until he hit a certain stride. And then we would be out every Sunday on boating adventures. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then kind of in your career, obviously, you started in public health and kind of in the hospital system. Um, yeah. What was the transition going from that to running and being involved in your own practice like? Um, when you have a hospital, big employer, your, your overall week is divided between seeing patients, teaching younger doctors, also doing research. And when you're in your own business, you're mostly uh, solely uh, taking care of patients. And it is the most rewarding part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you always think you wanted to take care of patients and be a doctor like from day one? Is that always like? Um, yes, I always wanted to take care of patients. Um, but the idea was instilled in me by Heidi Goldstein's mother when we were studying and in seventh grade and we would help each other with homework. And she said, Doris, you should be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I, I kind of one interaction like that can have such a big impact uh, later yeah. on. Um, how do you balance kind of like running the bit, like the business part with like the seeing patients? I imagine so much of the days focus like on the patient side, but then there's obviously like a business kind of, right. how do you kind of handle kind of all that? Um, I actually, I don't think you can ever be, um, exactly balanced. So uh, there are moments when um, you're doing employee evaluations, payroll, deciding bonuses, but it might be before seeing patients at 8 a.m. or seven o'clock at night. Um, and there are days when you're admitting someone to a hospital and there's a illness and crisis where your whole focus is that. Mm -hmm. And I guess I kind of with all of that going on kind of, I feel like, are you always almost like on edge in terms of like in medical, like an emergency is like urgent versus, you know, if it's a, like a marketing, like I was reading kind of this joke where it's like, there's never actually like a marketing emergency type thing, but in the medical world, obviously there is kind of, how do you handle that? Yeah. Um, I think I lucked out because I like that. I tend to be very calm in urgent situations and, um, 
and I like cutting through stupid bureaucratic systems. And it seems the hospital systems let you do that when someone's that ill. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. And kind of, and obviously like this year, 2020 and COVID kind of, what has it been like being on the front lines and being a doctor kind of through this? Um, um, it's been really challenging. Um, I'm dealing with young adults who have never been this sick in their life mm-hmm. and their body is acting in ways they never expected um, and providing them hope and reassurance and, um, and lowering their level of fear um, is important also for healing so that you aren't paralyzed for moving forward. Um, and um, it's been a challenge to step up to the plate and ask every version of a, do you think I have COVID question? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think one of the things you mentioned there is kind of like the fear and like the uncertainty kind of what, what advice do you have for people listening about kind of like, or what do you tell your patients for kind of like how to handle that, you know, with COVID going on, like there's so much unknown about kind of what the future will hold. Right. Um, uh, Looking back at the 2018, at uh, the 1918 epidemic, the whole process seemed to take about two years. Mm-hmm. So I encourage people to hang on sort of another six months ish, uh, knowing that science is more advanced than it was in 1918. So by next summer, um, we'll be at a stage of a different kind of normalcy. Mm-hmm. And then I reflect that there are many times in life when transitions take like two years, like whether it's the birth of a child and getting used to all of that, the year of pregnancy and the kid's first year of life, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a divorce, all those things. And there are some viruses that take two years to clear, like HPV. Oh, wow. I think it's a, actually a natural cycle that we're not in tune with anymore. Interesting. So I guess you kind of see next summer is kind of when things will come back to, and I guess in this back to w- what it is world, do you think people are still wearing masks? Is it still mostly eating outside? Is there going to be a combination? What do you kind of predict from that? Yeah, I think um, they'll, will be wearing less masks, but eating outside. And if there's any bump, we'll just whip that mask out of the back pocket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, it is kind of like, that's almost like the new accessory. Cause I, you know, everyone's wearing them all the time. Um, and I think a lot of people have found nature in a way urbanites don't always, and I mm-hmm. think it's actually good for everyone. Yeah. I was going to ask kind of how, how do you try to stay positive through all of this, especially when every day you're dealing with patients, a lot of them are really sick. Kind of what do you use to kind of for yourself in terms of like just kind of keeping your mind clear? Yeah. Um, I lucked out in that I do love what I do, but I, I think there's something where it's important to take like a day off every week, whether it's mm-hmm. a or Sunday and do non-medical things um, like a day of rest mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. of religions talk about yeah yeah uh, yeah no definitely uh, first I know kind of what you're talking about there um, and I guess one of the things you talk about is like the fact that you love what you do kind of how would you suggest someone like finds what they love is that something that comes to you like I know you had that moment in seventh grade kind of what, what do you think about that um, it's just trying different things. So I volunteered and then I didn't know I loved every rotation and then I had to pick one. Um, it is a crapshoot until you're in it. It's sort of having the courage to try other things. Um, if like 
uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. And I guess, so when you went from that transition from working like the hospital system to kind of your own practice, what kind of, what anxieties or fears did you have as, as it was a big change kind of in that, and you talked to like a two year transition time, would you say like that was another one of those kind of talk us through that a bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was a learning curve to go from public health to uh, a health service that was, is a little more concierge. Um, and it's, uh, I, uh, being accessible to patients and then kind of just rolling with their fears and anxieties. And I always found that uh, answering as soon as I could um, in a reasonable um, and hearing them out was what was needed. And mm-hmm. I, I, I deliberately decided to not view calls as something invasive on my own personal time. Yeah, that sounds like it's a big decision, kind of, you know, it's very much a different mindset. In terms, how do you kind of balance that, whether it's like, oh, you know, maybe you're sitting watching a movie and a patient calls and kind of stop that or kind of how do you like, how did you what was your thought process when you decided to kind of view it as kind of, you know, you wanted to be responsive and kind of making that kind of a core value of yours? Sure. So um, there are times when I'm uh, on call for the whole practice. And so then I'll always leave my um, cell phone accessible. Uh, other times uh, I'll put it on that night mode if it's dinner or um, spending some time with friends. Um, and if patients also know if they're trying to reach me and they can't to go the more traditional uh, answering service route. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, definitely kind of having some different options there and different ways to be accessible makes a lot of sense. Um, and they learned over time that if I can answer, I will. And if I'm like out of town, I'm, you know, like that. Yeah, yeah. And I guess kind of one of the things as a doctor, you interact with so many different types of people, different interests, kind of how do you kind of get to know people and kind of like interact like that? Um, That was one of the challenging things um, in terms of getting uh, another, because I'm here 10 or 13 years, I'm getting to learn patients on a more nuanced level. And um, it's sort of, uh, pausing and regrouping and asking annually or regularly, you know, what direction are, is your like work life going or mm-hmm. your academic life? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, so uh, the range of patients that you see in terms of ages, there's such a big difference between someone who's, you know, an early teenager to someone who's in their 20s or late 20s, kind of what it, right. what, what are kind of have you kind of noticed how they've been responding differently or similarly to COVID and like the kind of state of the last yeah. couple of months? So the younger ones are definitely more afraid, like that something devastating will happen. Like a mom will die. Like, mm-hmm. And they're like, don't touch that. Don't touch that to their moms. Um, and the older ones, uh, thankfully who are healthy, um, you know, might be at a party where it was supposed to be on a roof and then it wasn't on a roof and Mm -hmm. then it wasn't an apartment. And then everyone, they thought they would know it would be their core group or posse. Oh, but then someone's friend came in from California. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then then they roll with that. And then we like do testing. Right, right. No, definitely kind of, there's a range of different responses and reactions to that. Um, Sure, for sure. Yeah. 
And then I guess kind of a couple more questions first, kind of, you know, to those different patients, the ones that are so anxious about everything, kind of like, how do you reassure them kind of the balance between, yes, you know, you want to make sure you're washing your hands and wearing a mask, but you know, it's okay to go on a walk if you're wearing a mask or something like that. Like, how do you kind of balance kind of with the advice first kind of helping them through it? So, um, there were people who would like double and triple quarantine and mm-hmm. have gone out the younger ones in a long time. And um, then we would do like a Zoom conference call with us and their ear, nose and throat person or us and their therapist and like walk with them as they went outside. Um, just like two, twice around the block, get some fresh air. Um, and then nothing happened. You know? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and then kind of in terms of like looking forward, I know you said kind of you said next summer, kind of what do you see 2021 kind of looking like in terms of, you know, medical stuff and vaccines and, um, you know, focus on health in terms of the holistic part in terms of, you know, maybe more focus on like exercise and diet and like things that people can control kind of what do you kind of see your patients sure, sure. kind of expecting or what do you expect? Yeah, um, I think as the hospitals are seeing a rise in cases. I think uh, young adults who are well um, will likely also bump into their version of COVID and should do just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, um, I think we'll see in, with the new year, another push towards health and fitness. I know in the beginning of COVID, the first month everyone was drinking, the mm-hmm. second month everyone bought exercise equipment, the third month, uh, you know, new outfits from Lululemon. Um, and, um, and I think in the spring, we'll see more outdoors activities happening, like experiences. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I kind of, I agree. Kind of, it's crazy how many months it's been so far, but there's still so much kind of more to go, but um, hopefully kind of as the vaccine is out there and people can kind of start to return to whatever a new normal is, whether it's a combination of everything on zoom, some things in person, but uh, absolutely. Um, Awesome. I guess kind of last question for me or from me um, for you is um, kind of, you know, in the, like the medical world running a uh, business kind of what, what do you see, you know, in terms of like telehealth is I, like you're doing a lot of that now, is that something that's going to stay even after, um, you know, like kind of, we get through a pandemic phase. Is that kind of, where do you see that going? Yeah. Um, yes. Telehealth is here to stay. Um, there is so much one can accomplish um, with my eyes. I can see how someone's breathing, whether they're in distress, the color of their skin, whether they have anemia. Um, and, um, and I can also ask them to move and see how that is. Um, and I, there will be always a need to, for in-person aspects in terms of immunizations, vital signs and labs, but telehealth is really here to say. Um, and I actually learned that in World War I today, um, that in World War I, the Swedish invented radio medicine, Ooh. like long distance from a patient's dad. Um, Interesting, I've yeah. never heard of that. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, and uh, it's crazy kind of, you know, 100 years ago, but some parts are still so similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, because the heart of medicine is always listening to what mm-hmm. people are saying. Mm-hmm. No, that's definitely, it's beautiful to kind of hear that and definitely very, very true. Uh, awesome, thank you so much for joining. You're um, welcome.
hopefully I will see you soon. We'll go grab some dinner um, and have a great, great rest of your day. Thank you everyone for listening.